So let's finish our Winning Your Battles series. And this morning I was thinking about that some of the battles that I've faced and some of the greatest trials and struggles I've had are when I wasn't getting what I desired. When I wasn't getting when I, what I desired, when my heart was set on a particular goal. And I call these the four Ps. These are things that so often we want as humans, but many times we find ourselves blocked. So let me just list these out. They're promotion, whether it's promotion in your career, in your school, in some activity. It's possessions or a place. So many times there's something we are wanting, an actual tangible resource or just a, a, a place to live. Popularity, and I, I don't mean having to, winning the contest, but I mean just knowing that people like you and that you have friends and you're beloved. And the last one is power. Most people have this desire to have influence and, and to make a difference. And so we long for these things, and I want to unpack a story today from the life of Jesus that is one of the most beloved because Jesus just turns everything upside down and shows that his goals were entirely different. And this is the beloved story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. But I can't ever start a message without something funny. And so this morning I need to share an embarrassing, actually one of my most embarrassing moments. Um, I'm a college pastor in Texas, and I'm leading a guys group, and this guys group's going to culminate in a men's retreat. And so this is going to be like the ultimate men's retreat, because we're going to go to a hunting ranch in Texas. And this wasn't just any hunting ranch. It was owned by a former presidential candidate named Ross Perot. Remember him? Kind of a character, uh, little guy, big bucks. And so we're going out. uh, There was a connection that someone had bought this ranch. So we get there, and guys, this is the man's man dream world. There were all these quads, ATVs, Jeeps, and for some reason they gave me and a bunch of college guys the keys. And so we're just flying across this big hunting property. There's all these exotic game animals. I mean, it felt like we were on the African tundra. And, and then uh, there's, there's a, um, a pond that we're shooting skeet over. And, and in the pond, there is Ross Perot's alligator. And so, of course, you know, when it's just guys, you kind of do dumb things. So we're like going up to feed the alligator, you know, like the crock. And, uh, and then in, there's this huge room twice as long as this. And there are just trophies of every kind, like every African game, big elk. And so I am, and we're eating beef jerky, all the root beer you could have. And so this is guys, guys, I mean, I'm realizing, okay, we got to do something spiritual to make this legal. Um, you know, this is a, a church men's retreat. So anyway, I'm thinking, Lord, what can we do? What can I do to really impact these guys? And it pops into my head, like, wash their feet, do a foot washing. And so I'm like, this is it. This, this is going to be awesome. So we go out to the pool and, and I, I like talk about Jesus and he, you know, he washed his disciples' feet. So now I want to model that and wash your feet. So I get down and these are young college guys. You know, I grab the first guy's foot in my hand, and, you know, holding his foot and there's the pool. And so I like, you know, put some water on it. And then I'm like, oh man, I forgot a towel. So it's super awkward, but I'm like, I like grab my shirt and I'm like, and I'm doing this, and I'm thinking this is super awkward. I look up, and the guy's just crying. 
like, wow, this is emotional. And then I look to the next guy, and he's like crying, and he gets up all inspired. And he goes and grabs another guy's foot, and he washes that, and he doesn't have a towel, so we're all using our shirts. And, and I'm thinking, like, we are totally on this remote ranch all alone, and I was wrong. <laughs> and, and while we're doing this, having this, like, emotional moment, Guys, from behind the house comes this big old Texas cowboy around the corner. And he turns the corner and sees us like men crying, holding each other's feet. And he's like, whoa, whoa. And I see him and I'm like, oh, no. And I'm, and I'm thinking like, I, I'm a Christian. I got to explain, like draw him into this. And so I stand up like with my biggest Texas look. And I, so we go from like crying to I'm like, and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to make, certainly this guy's going to understand. I walk over and I'm like, I lock my jaw. That's how you talk. If you want to look like Texans, I lock my jaw and I'm like, Hey, you ever heard of a old fashioned foot washing? (laughs) Like I'm trying to make it as traditional as old fashioned. Cause I know he's thinking like, what is this emotional male new age mumbo jumbo? And so ever heard of old, and he looks at me, he goes, Nope. And I just, I just go like, dang it. All right, uh, we're out of here. I just like, guys, let's go. We get out. I'm, I'm sure the guy is still walking around talking about Ross Perot's ranch and these guys. Um, fortunately, Jesus did things much better in John 13 with his disciples. John 13, 1 through 17 is where we're going to look. It was just before the Passover festival. This is right before Jesus is going to go to the cross, and his disciples are gathered in this upper room. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my my head as well. Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their old body's clean and you're clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is a greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. What an illustration that Jesus's goal, that his priorities are so different than ours can be. You got to understand, in ancient Palestine, the roads are very different than ours. They're dirt roads. I don't know if you've ever walked on a dirt road in sandals or flip-flops. By the end of the day, your feet are completely dirty and, and dusty. 
there would have been several inches of, of dirt on these roads in arid times and in, in wet season, they would have been several inches thick of mud. And it's not just mud because also the primary means of transportation were horses and donkeys. Also, sheep herders would move their sheep down the road as well as cattle. So there's all kind of animal manure. And so when you came to a house in ancient Palestine, the custom was to come to the door and out of honor, your shoes would be taken off. But you didn't do that because you would have got yourself all dirty walking in. Just even untying your sandals would have made your hands dirty. So what happened is the second lowest servant would have that job of removing the guest's sandals, oftentimes a slave, in fact. And then the lowest slave would be the one who would grab that dirty feet in his hands and then pour out the water and then gently pat the feet dry so that the guests could then go and partake in the meal. So Jesus is in the upper room, and it's a borrowed upper room, so there are no servants there because he, they, he doesn't own a place. And so what happens is that the disciples are sitting there, and their feet haven't been washed. And so what he does totally shifts the paradigm of his disciples, because by now they would know they're three years into Jesus's ministry, and they're not doubting that he is actually from God. I mean, he said, I and the Father am one, and so they're realizing, like, he's the Son of God, and he's talking about his kingdom, and they're realizing, like, wow, he's actually the king of the world, and so the Son of God, the king of the world, what is he doing getting down like the lowest slave and actually washing my feet, which is very, very disgraceful because in this culture, like your feet weren't something that were touched and it's not something that you'd point at people. Perhaps you've been in a culture like that. And so you understand right now that they're going, wow, Jesus, you're just so different because the disciples are always battling about who's first and who's the best and who's going to have that place of honor. And Jesus, you're doing something totally different. Can I just tell you that if your heart's set on, on, on being promoted or, or being popular, I mean, we've all experienced the pain when we were kids, when we went up on the playground to join a group of kids and then they turned their shoulders and, and didn't want us. Or perhaps you walked up to the cool table at lunch and, and no one made room for you. We know what it feels like. Or perhaps you get overlooked in your job. Or perhaps you want something and someone else gets it, but you don't have the finances. But Jesus is showing us there is one thing that you can always do, no matter what your circumstances are, that you can always choose to humble yourself and be a servant. Can I just tell you, there's one thing that you can't be blocked in. So many people, they don't like their marriage because they don't like how they're being treated or they don't feel like they're receiving the honor or in their family. They're like, my kids don't honor me like I want or in my marketplace job or in my school. Can I just tell you that one thing you can do that no one can take away from you is you can go and humble yourself and no one can stop you from serving others. And I want to unpack that this morning because this is so powerful. So let's just look at it line by line. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You know, a lot of times people say, I love you. You probably heard the phrase that talk is cheap. I bet if I went around this room and said, who are the people you know love you? Like, who's the person that you know loves you? I, I bet it's not the person who just says it, but it's the person who demonstrates it by their time their energy, 
their resources. So Jesus, to demonstrate his love, actually sacrifices himself for his disciples. And it says, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. I think this is so important right here, because so oftentimes we think, I'll bless those, and I'll serve those, and, I, and I'll, I'll look to other interests, other people's interests, when I have the perfect circumstances. Um, I don't know if you've ever had someone come against you in life. I don't know if you've ever been betrayed in life. If you're in ministry long enough, you'll, you'll be betrayed in life. And, and oftentimes when that's happening, it's very nerve wracking. Like when you know, or perhaps you've been in your workplace and just, you had that person that you just know didn't like you. Have anyone experienced that where you're like, why does this person not like me? And so oftentimes what we think is like, I'm just going to hunker down. I'm just going to try to weather this storm. And Jesus says, Jesus, in this moment, like he's realizing this guy's about to go and betray me to have me killed. And what does Jesus do? Instead of saying, I'm just going to hunker down. I'm Instead, he totally responds in the opposite spirit and says, in the moment I'm being betrayed, I'm going to serve. Can I just tell you one of the keys to winning your battles is respond in the opposite spirit. Someone comes against you, you humble yourself and serve them. Listen to what Jesus says, but I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. I mean, that is not my natural person, right? Someone cuts me off. I'm like, ooh, I've got a V8. I can get in front of you, right? I mean, this is my natural thing. It's like just natural in us to just think someone says something. I'm like, ooh, I got a quick comeback for you. Jesus says, turn the other cheek, and if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go go one mile, go with them the next. You know, this. a a couple of people in history have latched on to this. Martin Luther King Jr., he latched on to this. You know, people are going to come at me with violence. I'm going to return in love and in peace. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi read the teachings of Jesus in India and said, as people oppress us, instead, we're going to respond in love and humility. You know, there's a spiritual principle, and that's why these two men started movements that transform society, because there's power when we respond in humility, love, and service. Jesus knew the Father put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus knew, like, all things are under my power. Like, I am the king of the world. Can I just tell you, um, you never outgrow serving. Like, you don't graduate from serving. I think a lot of times we think, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in my service now. I'm going to earn my stripes. Have you ever heard that before? Or everyone starts in the mail room in, in, in this business, right? That's like everyone starts at the bottom. But then we think, if I serve long enough, then I get promoted, and then everyone serves me. And this is Jesus at the top of his game, and he's serving. Can I just say, you never outgrow serving. I love this. This is one of the things I'm most encouraged about my staff is, and our pastor team is, it's not like, well, you serve when you're young, and then when you're old, everyone comes. Come, my minions. You know, uh, my father-in-law is amazing in this way, about 70 years old, incredible, uh, brilliant 
man was a successful attorney, and you, what you'll watch him doing is walk around picking up trash on this property, helping people get to their seats. I mean, this, you don't, you don't graduate from serving. Jesus is a servant. Like when we serve, we're like God. So convicting to me. So different for the Pharisees. I mean, and, th- and this is why it's so good to study what Jesus said about the Pharisees and to say, am I like this? Um, it says this, everything they do is for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. And they, they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace, to be called rabbi by others. But you're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you're all brothers. And not to be called anyone on the earth father, for you have one father, and he's in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. You want to be great in the king we serve. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So the next thing we see is it says he took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. I mean, kings, they wear robes and have jewels and crowns. And, and here's Jesus basically wearing in contemporary mind holy jeans and an undershirt and he has his towel and he gets out the dirty towel of a servant and and, and this is what Jesus is doing um, this is one of my concerns in in our culture now and I see it in Christian culture we're such an image driven culture and we're such an Instagram like uh, pose perfectly and 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 even Christians like we have like this Christian celebrity deal going on and this is something that that the Lord has just gone after my heart on I, I remember when I was a, a young man and 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 God just I had this encounter with the Lord. I was listening. I was on the very back row just thinking I was too cool for school, sitting in a church service, and and the pastor starts preaching on brokenness and humility and how God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And I remember him giving an altar call saying, if you need to humble yourself, come. And I was so convicted, I felt sick. And I ran up to the front, got down on my knees, and just started crying and repenting of all the things I put my identity in, of uh, of of. Like I was always in the gym and I'm, I'm a fan of being healthy. Like I try to live a healthy life, but I wasn't in the gym to be healthy. I was in the gym to be hunky. <laughs> and I remember the Lord convicting me and saying, hey, would you give that up? Would you just, just run and not lift weights? And if you lift weights, be blessed. I'm just saying like for me, it was all about how I looked and, and my image. And then I remember the Lord calling me on the clothes I wore and, and, and challenging me to give my nice clothes away. And I'll, I never will forget like being on my knees and in my mind's eye, like laying my corduroy pants on the altar. I'm like, Lord, I lay it down, my Isaac, you know, Lord. And, um, and then I remember the Lord speaking to my heart, will you wear the same outfit for two weeks? Some of you are like, that's awesome. Me and Steve Jobs. We wear the same thing every day. You know, that to you, that's like cool. To me, it was like, I'm an artist. You're stifling my creativity. I express myself, you know. And I wore blue jeans and the same color blue jean shirt tucked in with a brown braided belt for two weeks I died. And um, 
But the Lord was wanting the outer man to be broken so the inner man could be fully alive and set free. And, and here's my question, is the Lord the Lord of your image? Like, is the Lord the Lord of your fashion, of your style, of your body image? Like, he wants every aspect of our life. And it's not to, to suppress us or to oppress us, it's just to let us be free. Because we live enslaved by the world's expectations and by self-worship. And God was, God was breaking that for me. And I'm so thankful. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he had wrapped around them. So, so Jesus, the Son of God, gets down and does the lowliest job um, sometimes I think in Christianity to now, there's, there's, there's so much teaching about like, find your gift, find your calling. And, and I'm not against that, but can't you imagine if Jesus would have been like to the room of disciples, guys, my gift is signs and wonders. Like I'm really good at it. Like, did you see me raise Lazarus from the dead? Like he wasn't just barely dead. He was like stinky dead guys. And now he's raised from the dead. And like that kid, I pulled him out of a coffin and lepers, they get healed. And, and like, I'm pretty good at even creative miracles. Like, guys, I'm, this is like my jam. I, I feed thousands of people. Like, that's my gifting, guys. I can even curse fig trees. Um, and they wither and die. So why don't someone else, someone else is probably the foot washer. Bartholomew, we haven't read much about you in the Bible. Uh, <laughs> Foot washing is probably your deal. No, Jesus, Jesus did what was needed. Like Jesus was willing to do the dirty job, even though anyone else could have done it. He's like, I'll step up and do it. See, so many times in, in, we start seeing the church and the kingdom like a fine restaurant. Like um, I expect to, if I could order a little worship from Stephen. Oh, not that song, this song. And um, the, the AC, it's a little cold in here this morning. Can we just, you know, the coffee? And, and it's just like a fine dining restaurant. And then what do we do? In a nice restaurant, you go and you expect to be served. And you drop something, you're like, oh, they'll get it. And, and the food comes and you're like, oh, not quite cooked how I want. Can I send it back? And, and honestly, we in the American church, we start treating the kingdom like a restaurant instead of Jesus is showing us, no, it's a family. And in a family, it doesn't matter your position or your giftings. Like you just serve others. Like, can you imagine me sitting at the table and my wife, my wife, cooks. My wife cooks most of our meals. Can you imagine she comes to the table and goes, Robert, here's a meal. And I'm like, um, that's a little undercooked stuff. Uh, I'm going to send that back to the kitchen. Not going to go too well in my house. <laughs> or the few times I actually cook, you know, and my kids, I like bring the food and this has happened by the way. And they're like, oh, dad, I don't want that. And I'm like, yeah, you do. Yeah, you, you do. Like, if you want to continue to live here, you want this. <laughs> and have I told you about the kids in Africa that don't have this? You know? <laughs> yeah, so go ahead. They're like, oh, Dad. <laughs> you know, um, uh, you know in, my, in my family, you know my role? I'm the trash man. Like, I am the garbage man. In my, we, we had a family gathering this week. My son graduated from elementary school, so my in-laws were over. My parents came. My aunts and uncles were there. I'm the garbage man, and I'm the dishwasher. Can you imagine if after the meal, like, you know, it's time for me to wash the dishes, and I look at my family, and I'm like, um, guys, 
I don't know if you've noticed, actually, my gift is preaching. And um, I've, uh, you know, and, and my wife's like, could you take out the garbage? I'm like, uh, actually, I've written a couple of books. I'm going to just be back. No, they're like, no, you're, you're the garbage guy, Robert. Like that's, in a family, you just do what needs to happen. In a family, you love people, so you serve them. You don't have to have the right giftings to do it. Like you just do what's needed. Is that our heart towards Jesus? It's your heart towards Jesus. Like, hey, if, if, if you can't find anyone to do the job, I'll do it, Jesus. It's the kind of friend I want to be. Like, yeah, if you can't find anyone to help you move out of your third floor apartment, Jesus, I'm there. Like, that's the friend, right? Oh. You know, no, Jesus, I'm the painter. <laughs> I just paint on the beach. <laughs> no, I... Um, I want to be that kind of, I want to be that kind of friend to Jesus. I want to be that kind of friend to people. I'm very convicted by my message right now. Um, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Let me just address um, a couple, couple different groups in the church. Um, now, there are some people who they won't be served. Like, no, don't serve me. Have you ever tried to serve someone? They're like, no, 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 no. Can I just tell you that that's pride? Um, and oftentimes it's false humility. Sometimes it's pride because you, you just get your identity out of serving. You're like, I'm Sally Servant. No one serves me, right? I'm Homer Humility. Um, can, can, I just, can, I just, can I tell you that when you won't receive service from someone, you steal their blessing because it's better to give than to receive. So there's times for you to serve and there's times to let people serve you. And you receive God's love as people serve you, right? And sometimes we won't let people serve us because we think we're unworthy. Can I just tell you, that's a, that's a false humility. It's because you don't feel the value that God's putting on you as his child. You are a prince in the kingdom. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are a princess to the Lord. And so he delights to send people at different times to serve you. So receive that, and that way we're a healthy family. It's right to serve, it's right to be served. So then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body's clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. So the, the thing is, so then sometimes we can flip and get all religious and be like, well, then I'm going to earn my salvation by serving. Like, Lord, I'm going to show you that I deserve to be saved by serving. And Jesus says, no, you're already clean. Roman, uh, John 15 says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. When you receive the gospel... What's the gospel? It's the good news that Jesus died for you while you were a sinner. That he paid the price that you couldn't pay. That he died on the cross to take the punishment for your sins. That he rose from the dead defeating the power of sin and death. And then he ascended into heaven and is waiting to welcome you there. He's put his Holy Spirit in your heart. Not because you're a servant. Not because you do so many good works. But because while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. So you're clean. So this isn't about becoming clean. Like if I just serve enough, then I'm clean enough. No, you're clean because what he does for you, we serve out of gratitude. We serve out of love. We serve to extend his kingdom. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked him, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
And then it says this, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. You know how I became a pastor? It wasn't by just looking for opportunities to preach and to wow people on stage and then some, you know, then uh, America's Got Talented Preachers found me and said, you know, here, um, go preach in this middle school. It was, um, it was the church I was a part of was a mobile church and, and they had taken over an old house for their offices and they said, we need some people to go paint the church, the offices. And so I showed up. There weren't many people that showed up. I showed up and I'm just painting the wall and I look beside me and there's the pastor in jeans and a t-shirt just painting. Pastor Jimmy is just painting beside me and we just start talking and sharing our life. And then he goes, hey, my, my uh, lunch appointment just canceled on me. You want to go get some Taco Bell lunch? And I'm like, absolutely. And so we sat and had lunch, and I got to tell him, hey, I I love Jesus, and I want to give my whole life to him. What would you suggest for a 21-year-old guy? And he gave me a piece of advice about seeking him every day and spending time with him. And we started meeting together, and let me just say the rest is history. You don't get promoted into your destiny by chasing after promotion. You'll find your destiny by serving. You serve, and God will find you. You humble yourself, you look to serve, and God can find you anywhere. The greatest king in Israel's history, King David, the prophet Samuel comes to town and he comes to his father's house, Jesse, and he's like, I'm going to anoint one of these boys king. And Jesse brings in seven of his eight sons, and they're person after person, and they look prominent, and they're warriors, and God speaks to Samuel, I don't look at the things that man looks at, because man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart, and then Samuel, the prophet, says to Jesse, the father, are these all your sons? And Jesse's like, oh, it's kind of embarrassing, but no, I have one left. He's the youngest one. He's out serving the sheep, and he says, bring him in. You serve, and you're not going to ever be looked over by God. God will find you even if you get left out of the party. You get left out of the promotion. You keep serving. You take care of those few little sheep, and God will find you. He can find you anywhere. He'll never lose your address. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. You know, the thing is, God's not trying to ruin your life by telling you to humble yourself and serve. The crazy thing is you give your life to a life of humility and service. And the crazy thing is God actually adds the other things to you. Like, here's what I've found, and here's what David found. You seek God. The Bible says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things are going to be added to you. But God's just wanting and waiting for our priorities to shift to say, you know what, Jesus, it's all about you, and it's just about being like you. And then he goes, great, now I can give you the promotion. Now I can give you the popularity. Now I can give you a place, and I can give you possessions, and I I can give you power because that's not going to be your God. Those aren't going to be your idols. And so I can give you those things because now I'm number one, and being like me is your greatest desire. 
God's not trying to ruin your life. God's not trying to destroy you by saying humble yourself and serve. He just wants to fill your heart completely. And the only thing that'll do that is himself. And then he says, then I can give you all these other things. Here's what I find. When we start putting him first, when we start putting Jesus first, when we start putting being like him, that the main thing we want from people to receive from us is that person loves like Jesus, that person lives like Jesus, that person serves like Jesus. When we put that number one and that becomes our greatest goal, we have far less battles because our heart isn't chasing after things that will only destroy us in the end. And then Jesus ends up rewarding us in the end. He loves you. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Yes, he is. Oh, I love him. Why don't you stand up?